So with my brother there, business was growing, and I could start seeing a million, a million and a half, two million dollars with the people we have and the equipment that we have. And it was really a wonderful feeling to know that, just get that idea that you could go do it. We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years and why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth. We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Welcome back to the Wealth Watchers Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy. With me is my co-host, Justin Hoggett. Justin, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Adam. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, as always. Um, so, Justin, um, I know you know our guests personally today. Um, I just want to see if you can give us a little brief intro on them and then uh, bring them on the call. Yeah, I'm so excited about this opportunity to talk to Ellie and Michael Tadone. They have uh, been a family friend of ours for, I don't even know how long, since, since uh, maybe first grade, which I'll have to touch base with them in a second on that. But, uh, but yeah, they, they've been in business for a very long time, very successful. And, uh, I know they'll have a lot to share. So we're really excited about this. All right. Well, I, I understand they're already on the line. Yeah. So with that, uh, here they are. So Ellie and Michael, thanks for joining us today. Well, it's our pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. So how, how long has it been? Um, our, our parents met a long time ago. I would say over 43 years that we know you and your parents through different states. Okay. Started well, I don't think in it's Texas. So I'm not that old yet. But, <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> but uh, it, nonetheless, it's been a while. So been a uh, while. it's been a pleasure as well. And um, thanks for coming on the show with us today. Can you start with maybe a little background on, on how you guys got started in business and some of your uh, interesting stories along the way? Well, let Ellie do that because well, she has a good memory on all the stuff that happened. I to think, me, it's a blur. I think <laughs> I was pretty much not on board because I'm right. very security-minded and we had two young children at the time. My husband is much more adventurous. He was working for a corporation, not getting anywhere other than the whatever they give you, 2% a year raise, which is nothing. And when we figured it all out, we really didn't have that much to lose to give up that job and go for a different opportunity. And because we did that, off, we looked at many different adventures businesses, many types of businesses, we kind of stumbled upon, um, we, well, we bought a franchise. Can I say which one it was? Okay. So we stumbled upon a franchise opportunity because at the time I was a stay at home mom. My husband was pushing me to get a little money on the side. I was selling jewelry on the side. I happened to meet a woman who owned surf pro in our area. And she always seemed very happy, very positive, optimistic, not stressed out. And I thought, well, this might be a good thing for us. Little did I know that not every day is happy and not stressed out when you own your own business. Okay. Right. Well, I think she skipped over a lot of stuff. 
because before that, before funnel cake, um, we were in the funnel cake. Before Surpro, we were in the funnel cake business. And while Ellie was doing the things she was doing, we also got into this, um, um, into a lot of the fairs, which were associated, you know, in, in, in the associated area in Texas. And um, the, how we found out about funnel cake was we went, made a trip to New York to visit our parents, like we did every year. And my father said, we have to go to Pennsylvania to this fair that um, they had this great dessert that was that seemed to be excellent. It was called funnel cake. So we didn't have kids at the time. And I remember flying home from the on the airplane with her and saying, we got to really see if we could make this thing work in Texas. And we we decided we're going to try and do it. And, and of course, there are a lot of ups and downs and whatever, but we developed a recipe and, and um, uh, threw away a lot of funnel cakes. Let me tell you, we were cooking <laughs> in the kitchen, and we finally got to a recipe that we seemed to work pretty good. And then I started to work on how we're going to cook these things and try to get into a festival. A festival. And our first festival we got into was called Mayfest. And they interviewed us, and we beat out the beignet that they were considering as well. And um, interestingly, when we got there, everything worked beautifully, but I wasn't selling enough of them that I thought. The line grew, and I wanted to make it go faster and faster. Got to the point where I developed my own my own stove that was, I think, very, very, very unique. And we were pumping out funnel cakes like every 15 seconds. And we were doing very, very, very nicely. And we got into several other festivals to use up our batter and all of that stuff. So that's kind of the beginning. And that kind of even led into when we had serve Pro. That I was, um, I was still doing the funnel cake stuff while we were trying to do Serpro. And the funnel cake was only in the, in the summers, and it was May, June, July, in that time frame. So it really wasn't too, too bad. Um, but the main and, thing was, I think my husband, he was very innovative and got a good uh, positive feedback being his own boss. Myself, I always like fought against it because I like the security of having a steady paycheck. So I think that might be something somebody really needs to consider when they're going into their own business. How many? How much of this up and down and non-secure income can you face? Yeah. Right. I think that's uh, what a lot of listeners probably have is their employee base and, and they have the insurance and the benefits or, and whatever else. And it's a big leap of faith to know that you can go out alone and do it. So I, I definitely hear that a lot, you know, and, and that's it's why people huge, know it's because of security. Leap of faith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I just want to add the funnel cake stuff really at the end, because it really went sour. And I mean that by we got out of it because, you know, we didn't do festivals at all anymore. But the saddest part was, I have a tenant that I kept all my equipment at his place, and he, for some reason, didn't watch it like we agreed, and all my stuff got is gone. All oh, my no. stoves, all my every single thing is gone. He thinks his employee sold it all for scrap metal. So I have absolutely nothing that I wanted to patent, maybe, because I thought it was unique enough to do it, but that is gone. I just have maybe some drawings and maybe a few pictures of what I did. But, but see, I find that to be a blessing because <laughs> at our age, we are retired. 
There's no way that we were going to do that. No. So, so <laughs> we've been retired now from selling the yeah. business. It's going to be eight years. Um, so we've okay. had a lot of in. We we were in business 25 yeah. years, and then also this funnel cake stuff and and real estate. So lots of different things. But you have to have a lot of tenacity. Yeah, yeah. I I think you just have to. I always said <clears throat> when we used to go to the Serpro meetings. Everybody talked about how great they were doing and all this. And, and I felt like if you listen to all these people, you don't know really where they're coming from and how wonderful they're really doing. They may make good volume, but they may be going broke. And I've always told Ellie, you know, I don't even want to, I, I listen, but I don't, I take it all with a grain of salt. I'm going to do my own business the way I want to do my business and move on from there and just keep my head down and not worry about and trying to compete with everybody except for myself. But the thing, I think when people uh, are thinking about going into business, they have to really learn how to read a balance sheet, profit and loss, and know that your gross has absolutely nothing to do with your net a lot of times. You could have a great big job with that, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars and you could end up in the negative. So that's something I think a new, a person going into business has to really understand that concept. Right, absolutely, and and I don't know if you just saw us smiling, but uh, you know, there, there's a, a topic that we've been going through currently that I won't go into detail about, but it has to do with gross income and an evaluation based on that, and um, right. does not tell know, the whole story. Does not yes, tell the whole story absolutely. Don't I don't think newbies really understand that. If you're really thinking about going in your own business, you really have to be smart about it and not mm -hmm. just listen to somebody's going to tell you you're going to make all these hundreds of thousands right. of dollars. I don't think so. Tell, tell them about our first year in business. Oh, when we thought was... we made all this money and then we had to pay taxes. We had no idea. We were so naive about business. Right. Right. And so you have to know questions to ask your accountant. And it's hard to know the questions if you've never experienced being in your own business. You know, payroll taxes, uh, income taxes, corporate tax. It's just, it's an amazing learning curve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, it sounds like you've done well. Uh, can you well, can you explain how, how many years did you do the funnel cakes? Oh, God. Wow. Well, okay, I could tell you because the You're first pregnant? one I was pregnant with my oldest son. And so, and he was about 13 when we got out of it. So about 12 years. Okay. And did anyone copy your invention? No. Not that I know of. We don't know. We hope not. And you still think it's the best? I don't know. But I remember I had people studying it while they went around back and watched what I was doing. And, and they were looking. I said, that's really unique. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we did have a few, I, I guess you could say, opportunities possibly but they never went through like with um all oh, that colorado ch chocolate factory you know they wanted us mm -hmm. to do it with them and we got to the point of putting something together with a lawyer and they never never went for it but but these are things like i i always wonder i said if they did take it and we did end up doing something with the with the colorado or the denver whatever it was chocolate how where would we be today? You know, a, a, I think a lot of stuff is luck right. and it's at the right place at the right time. Yes. A lot of it is. All these people that we think are so smart, 
you know, they just fell into it. Most In most cases, that's what I think it is. It's do you have a product that somebody needs, number one, like in our Surpro business? That is a, a service that's needed when you get floods, fires, things of that nature. That is going to always be needed. If you have a product that's just wanted, mm, that's a little bit different. You know what I mean? You don't have to have an $8 of uh, 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 what a chocolate dipped anything, right? You don't have to have that. So that's kind of a little different business, I think. Yeah. Now, Michael, I want to take you back to something you just said a second ago about it being luck. Um, I I've had this conversation with my seven-year-old the other day. He uh, had his birthday and he was making a wish uh, over his candles. And, you know, we were talking about wishes. And if you made a wish, just have money appear in your account. Of course, you know, it's not going to happen unless you do something to make it happen. So I tend to think that sometimes we might perceive these things as just luck. However, I'm more inclined to think that you positioned yourself right to be in the right place at the right time when those opportunities came up. What do you think about that? Oh, well, I think, yeah, I, I would say that's part of it as well. But like, like, just say we have some rental properties. And if we didn't move to Texas and we went to, let's say, um, Ellie's cousin went to open up Sabaro's restaurants and we went to Detroit, our property would be worth the use. They'd be useless. Now, she was doing fantastic for a long, long period of time, but now it's not doing good. So was that luck or is that... You know, well, I don't know. It's well, Sir Pro always said luck is when opportunity meets preparedness. preparedness yeah. So you right. have, you know, you're not just going to be praying to God, please, God, give me a lucky break. Okay. Right, right. You have to find your own luck. But health, I mean, there's a lot of issues that, that could, could hamper or enhance what you're going to do. So luck does play some part in it. Yeah, I think I really think it does. If we, when we moved to Texas, <clears throat> we were having a choice: should we go to Denver or should we go to um, Seattle, or do we come to Dallas, Fort Worth? And we just pulled it out of the straw hat, and we said we'll go to Dallas, Fort Worth. It looked like it was booming at the you know forty something years ago. So that you know, well, it was just a choice that but we made. We didn't just pull it out of the hat. We researched it. Okay, we came through the area. We wrote to Chamber of Commerces. So it wasn't like we just said, "Oh, I think today I'm going to go to Colorado." So we had an idea, and we lucked. We lucked out because we came here when the airport was just starting. It got to be a boom area. Did we have anything to do with that? No. But we saw that there was a trend of it getting better. See what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and Denver's kind of gone through that in the last decade. Uh, yes. Where we've blown up. Yeah. Right. right. Um, I would say we lucked out in that because we were here when that happened. But um, but you could have you know. stayed in Missouri, right, yeah. Justin? <laughs> could have. We could have. Right. Miserably, but we could have. <laughs> There's a little luck and then there's a little hard work. It's a mixture of things. Yeah. Yeah. But Ellie, I, I think you said it right when you said that luck is where, where preparation meets opportunity. And, oh, yeah, and that's right. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Spot on assessment there because I, I think oftentimes as business owners and entrepreneurs, we, we maybe overlook some of the things we did because it's become such a natural muscle for us. True. Mm. That's true. Exactly. You know, with, with Surpro, we, uh, we were looking around for something. I was at the time working at General Dynamics. And um, 
I just said there's got to be a better way to make a living and have more control of, of my income. And we looked at a lot of stuff. We looked at we post postal services, those franchises. We looked at donuts. Um, we looked at um, when we were chicken. in Florida, we went to a, a, a franchise called Crispy Chick. We looked at um, Sambo's. Remember, you remember the name at all? I think I think that no. when you're looking, when you're looking for something, it has to be something that you're comfortable with too. And that so how did how, explain how you got stuck on Serve Pro then? Well, he was miserable at work. Okay, we, he wasn't. My husband was not making a huge amount of money, so it wasn't like you're giving up a huge amount. And it was a business that was in business. It was very successful. We looked at the P and Ls. We looked. We looked at everything. That's the Surf Pro that, that we bought. Yeah, right. But my husband had all the P and Ls looked at by accountants, lawyers, and all that. But the bottom line of that was none of those professional people said, "Oh yeah, definitely do this or don't do it." It was. It was pretty much like up to you. Right. So they'll give you some advice, but nobody's going to make that decision. So we ended up with Pro. It looked like it was an easy business at the time. It wasn't very technical. It was something that if everything went wrong, he and I could do it together. And we were very well. Um, we had money backing. We never were on a shoestring because we knew that to be successful, it's going to be difficult the first couple of years. And so we never borrowed money. We used our own money to get into the business. We did have loans because when you're buying a business, of course, you have to pay that off. But we didn't go into debt very, very much for the monthly expenses. We could always make payroll. We could always do that type of thing. And we're very conservative financially. We're not like, oh, yeah, this sounds great. Let me do it or let me buy it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we saw many, many, many surfers being on this subject. They came in. They had a great year or a year and a half, and they went out and bought boats, boats and cars and, and motorcycles and everything, like, you know, what? new house and everything, and then they didn't have a great year, the next one, and it put them in a big bind, and a lot of them are gone. Right. We saw many, many, many go away, and it's because I think the way they spent their money. Now, of course, I don't know for sure, but that's that's our feeling because we we didn't do top of the heap within the, our organization here. We maybe we're kind of in the middle. We're in the, the time. middle all the time. Maybe once we hit best, best franchise, that was early, early on. But most of the times, we're in the middle of the pack. We weren't very well recognized or anything, but but we didn't have any problems. Right. We, we had no debt, and we kept we just kept going just very slowly and very quietly. I think what our main strength is we were able to do like delay gratification. We knew that okay, we may have had a banner year for the past three or four years, but that wasn't the time to buy all new equipment, new truck. You know what I mean? We're very slow and plodding when it comes to spending the money. So. We know that when you have a terrible time, and we have had terrible years, we had enough saved that could go that we could go over that hump. Okay, and you you knew that you would make it back over the hump and would have another good year. Just right. there yeah. is the ups and downs right. with business because exactly. we realized 
early on that there is ups and downs in business. It's not like having every week, like if you're working, like if you had been a general dynamics, every week you have the same amount of money and you could plan. It's never like that, having your own business. Plus, another thing we did that we thought was smart is we diversified. When we had money, we bought rental property. So, like, if things went south in one thing, then things were okay in another department. Right, right. And and obviously, so that's where we uh, really strive is real estate. Right. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit more about that and how many rental units did you, like, did you have a plan with that? Did you buy a certain amount? No. No, no, no plan. Our, um, what we did was we, when we, before we, during the funnel cake time, we bought a house in Fort Worth. It was before children that we bought it and uh, we wanted to just try it out. And I rebuilt that thing twice. The second time was, was from top to bottom. Everything it was vacant. My plan was it was going to be vacant for a year. Well, it took me two years to rebuild it all. <laughs> and then we rented it. But right. it was an inexpensive house. Yeah. So it didn't drain us at all. Yeah, okay. but I mean, I worked almost six days or seven days a week on that thing. Every Leaving General Dynamics, I had my van, and it was loaded with stuff I had to do, and I'd go by in the summer because it got late at dark at 9, 10 o'clock, and I'd go there, do what I had to do from 5 till 9, and then came home, and then and kept doing that, weekends and everything. Anyhow, because of that effort, because of that effort, we were able to sell that and do a, what is it? A 235 exchange, is that what it's called? Where you, it's some exchange where you go from one property to another. Do you know what I'm talking about? Without paying taxes, because he refused to pay taxes. He goes, <laughs> after all this work that I did, I'm not paying capital gains, okay? Yeah. So we bought a much better, a medical property, which has been fantastic. Yeah. We've had that a lot. It's time. only it's it's a half a property. There are four leases in the place. I own half of it, and the hospital owns the other half. And that was the next thing that we did. And then when when we moved out of the houses we stayed in, one in Bedford, the small one, the first one, we didn't sell it. We rented that one, and the second one that we were in, we rented that one and moved to the house we're in now. And then really simply the. Um, uh, for Surpro, we took over that the was, operation that the original people had, and we were renting. I think we rented there for seven years because we wanted to pay off the business. And when the business was paid off, then I was looking around for a place to move to, and that's when I bought the warehouse that we currently own. And and this is funny because I said to my husband, "You're never going to get a loan for that. Like, don't even think about buying commercial bit property, right? Somebody in this little team of being self-employed has to be much stronger than the other person. Because <laughs> if it was up to me, he'd still be a general dynamic. We'd be in a small little house. <laughs> but he got the loan. It's fabulous. It's got four rents coming yeah. in, and we. It's been great. We have not, we've been retired a long time and we haven't touched any savings, nothing. Okay. It was so, yeah. so it's been good. Yeah. We only have, you asked, we have two residential and two commercial. And that's a total of eight rents. Eight rents. I would like to buy another one, but you know, again, we're not heavy Wait. risk takers and she really isn't a risk taker at all. And we're old. You know, so I don't know <laughs> if we're going to go any further, but. You know, it's interesting. 
after the fact, you say, oh, I should have bought more, I should have did this, I should have did that. But maybe if we went that route, we wouldn't be where we are now. Right. You don't know. You don't know. You just don't know. So we're comfortable. Because I don't like have. having debt and every single thing we have is paid for. And the house you saw, Justin, that you saw, that's all paid yeah. for. So we're, we're yeah. good. We're good. Let me go back to Serpro again. I, I really, in, in I think any business, what I've, what I've seen, and it seems to um, be what other people say, is you need a good person to work with. Yes. And I, I will say, when my brother came in with me in Serpro in the beginning, um, I could depend on him. I could trust him. He was he was a crew, and then got up and became my production manager. And it was really, really excellent in the fact that I felt like I could relieve a lot of responsibility onto the production manager, whoever that might be. And it allows the owner to really think about the business. Now, I did everything in the business before my brother came on. I was in the truck, and I pulled carpet, and I, I did all the heavy-duty labor-type stuff. And I knew what had to be done and how to go do it. So when he came in and I taught him how to do it, now it relieved me to think about ways to improve the business and make it better. And right. I came up with a bunch of ideas, which did make it better. Right. And in the beginning, you're thinking, well, gee, and back 40, what, that 30 years ago, years ago 25 years, 30 years ago, you have to remember, when we got into the business, the first convention we went to was the first year that any Serpro in the whole country did a million dollars gross, which is which is nowadays is almost you can do that in a month. <laughs> you know? so so when we're doing three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand, you go, wow, we're, that good. Well, that's not bad, right? So with my brother there, business was growing, and I could start seeing a million, a million and a half, two million dollars with the people we have and the equipment that we have. And it was really a wonderful feeling to know that, just get that idea that you could go do it. Well, you need, finding you, that right-hand person is right. what's the most important thing. Because my brother left. Now I went through three, four production managers. That was hell. They were draining me, and they didn't do whatever I wanted them. But they were antagonistic. They didn't want to work. It was just pitiful. And I, I say that because... Just just recently, we had a water damage at, one, at my property in Arlington, and who did I meet? The production manager that I knew when I was in business 20 years ago, he's still with this company. And that's a dependable person that you need. And a lot of the surplus had that right-hand person. And that if you don't have that person, you might as well hang it up. But I have sad. to say, though, but one thing, you know, you go you go through ups and downs when you can't find good people because your pe people are the key thing. The people come and go, but the owners always stay. So you have to have, if you want to have your own business, you better be tenacious. Or one of you, if it's a partnership, needs to be that way. Because there's a lot of struggles. It's not. It's probably going to be the hardest you've ever worked when you're self-employed. Yeah. Because your business is always with you. You're always thinking about something. You know, is this what Sure, and, and that's what we have with our uh, property management company. You know, uh, I sometimes might not really sleep at night. You right. know, and, and we don't get a lot of calls uh, late at night, but it's certainly um, not something I can walk away from. Where I'm on vacation last week and, uh -huh. uh, you know, it's 
quote oh. unquote vacation. But, uh, but it's, you know, it's like you're saying, it's always with me. I never can leave it behind. I have, they're my customers. I can't leave them behind. So yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Just a funny case in point. We were starting to do real nicely and we were going to convention and it was in the um, Pacific Northwest. I think we went to Seattle. I don't remember where we flew into. And I remember telling the family, I said, this year, whatever you want, we can do. Everything is flush. We're doing good. So I got to the phone. This was when they had phone booths, no cell phones. And I called the office and I said, Teresa, how's everything going? Well, I don't know if I want to ruin your vacation, but we just blew an engine on one of the trucks. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, my God. That was like $10,000 to replace an engine. So after I get off the phone, I said, well, crew, family, we're going to have to reduce it a little bit. <laughs> so there's always something. There's that, always something. That but you can't it. really let it get you down. No. It's like, okay, you know, like the Energizer Bunny? Remember that Energizer Bunny commercial yeah. with the little... You got to be like that. Your batteries run out, but you get new batteries and you just keep on going because yeah. it gets better. Yeah. So, Ellie, uh, I want to just recall something you said a little while ago. First, you, you kind of made a mention that you need to have a strong person in the partnership. And I take that to mean something a little different, maybe, um, because you also mentioned, of course, the owners being the ones that remain in the business. It doesn't matter who else comes and goes. And I'm a firm believer in that, too. You know, as a business coach, um, you know, when I've worked with clients, I've talked to them about when you build your org chart, you don't put the names on it, right? You put the positions mm -hmm. you need, the names will come. Um, so what it sounds like to me is that maybe not that one of you is necessarily stronger than the other, but more that you've got complementary personalities, you know, whereas yeah. Michael yeah. might be more ambitious and willing to jump into new ventures and take on things. Mm -hmm. You're the one who actually looks at the big picture and says, you know, is this the right way for us to go? And you end up creating a great balance between each other. Would you agree? I would agree because I was the money person. We, um, he was the production and the management person. And the goal was not to overstep or, uh, which I have to say sometimes that's difficult, you know, not to give your opinion of what your other person is not doing correctly. But since I was the one in charge of payroll, accounts receivables, payables, all of that, I, of course, was much more concerned about that than getting new equipment or a new truck. So I was the one putting the brakes on the spending. Michael was the one with the vision of, no, but to make more money, you have to do this. You have to have more equipment or you have to da 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 So I think you're right. I think we were a good balance. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I, I back again, when you have a person you can rely on, that you can back off of the, from the daily activities and, and know somebody is running it for you and you have to, and you just have your weekly meeting and you get abreast of everything that's happening. It really allowed me to come up with a lot of, I feel like, unique ideas within SurfPro. Now, of course, I didn't broadcast it everywhere, but but I did realize that as we progressed through SurfPro, a lot of the things that I thought of came from corporate also. And they thought, of like an example would be when I used to do sales myself, I said, wow, it's so inefficient to go see 120 people. I, I, so I laid out, remember when they had MAPSCOs? Do you remember those things? The no. <laughs> well, anyhow, it's before before the <laughs> before Google Earth. Before Google Earth, it was yeah, paper Google. Anyhow, I, I laid out oh. a really efficient way to go visit all my people, and I couldn't see them all in one day. But I would print out all the all the names in the order I put it in, and I would start at one and go to two, three, four, 
And interestingly enough, of course, electronically later on, Serpro came out with the route programs. Same but I idea. had the route like way before Serpro. Right. So not to brag, but but there are things that you, if you're logical, you think of naturally as the business progresses. If you don't have to be have in to be the in middle, you know, of the yeah. of the minutia every day stuff, it allows you time to think and expand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a book that um, we're both actually reading. I think right now it's called "The Road Less Stupid." And, um, and did it, I write that about, book, Justin? Did I write the book? They, well, it sounds like you may have, yeah. And so, <laughs> so it's it's really about thinking and sitting back. And there's a bunch of topics in the book, and it covers a lot. And it it encourages you to sit back, think about these hard questions. How can you improve? What can you do better? What can you do differently? Um, what can you drop? What can you add? And so, yeah, it, it just goes exactly in line with what you guys are saying that, yeah, if you can be outside of the box a little bit, not be so involved with every aspect of the business, you might be able to sit back and, and think this, this can be better. I think some of it is almost intuitive to the personality. I like being fairly organized. I'm not neat, but I could be organized. I, want, I don't want to waste time doing things. And I, I really think that's a lot of what I tried to do with Serpro. With, with the trucks to keep them easier to clean. And I did it with surf, with uh, funnel cakes as well. When I came home after the first year, grease was everywhere on my stoves and I had to go clean them. And little by little, I put foil on it. I put things on just to make it always stay easier to clean. My life, I want to make easy. Right. And I did the same thing with, uh, with Surpro. We used to drive around in the, in regular vans. And I, when I did the production, Wow, I was tired of bending over in the van and picking up heavy equipment that you're not standing up. And I ended up buying a box van. And I think I was one of the first people within the whole organization that had a box van. And I had a lot of equipment in it. It was more room. And I felt like my employees could work a lot better using a box van. Yeah, we did try to make our employees' lives a lot easier. And also, they stayed with us a long time because... Not that we were friends, but we were very respectful of them. They were like basically blue-collar workers, right? But we were always trying to do the best for them. Like in slow times, it, we didn't get paid, but they did. We never, ever did anything to, um, to stiff the employees. Like we never said, well, we had a bad week. You're not getting paid this week. I owe it to you. No. It was always they came first, okay? To keep them happy. Let me make a comment. I think all the all of the um, prom promotional speakers that we had, because Serpa always had some kind of some kind of a speaker to motivate you motivate. and all that stuff. And they all said, "Pay yourself first, then pay your employees." And we just couldn't go that route. You know, if you lose your employees, then what do you got? Right. You got yourself that you paid. So I don't know if that's true or not, but we made that decision to pay the employees. And there were, there were years or weeks that we didn't pay ourselves anything. But as long as we got the employees paid, we, we, right. were, we were good with that. I want to touch back to some points you've made, Michael. And, um, and, and it reminds me of some principles of business that I believe strongly in, um, which mm -hmm. is that a lot of business owners really get stuck in the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial realm 
which is where they're always trying new things and they're never really sticking with anything consistency. And what I hear is that you built systems and processes. You know, you talked about laying out your routes for visiting clients where some people might just say, well, it's easier for me to look at my client database A to Z alphabetically. And if you did that, you'd be driving all around town and you'd be wasting a lot of time. And what I heard is that you found systems and models to help priority, you know, make your time easier so you spend less time in your business. Exactly. The other being, of course, the leverage element. You know, when you mentioned bringing your brother in to help you and, and knowing that you had somebody in place who you could trust. And of course, that's going to tie into the employees that you were doing, working so hard to keep on so that you could leverage yourself out of the business. So you weren't the one out making those runs. I think that's two key things. Yeah. We, we also did a, um, and again, it was novel with Surf. I made a, a what they, I called it a job board. I got a four by eight sheet. And of 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 um, erasable, erasable board, and I mounted it on the wall. I laid it all out, and had all the jobs listed. It had what we would do, whether it was a water damage or a fire or whatever it was. Where the crew chief was, and the progress of the job. Now, of course, again, all that's done electronically. But I didn't know any Serpro within my organization here that I was with that had anything like it. And I know my director even came in once with somebody from corporate, they said, oh, that's a real good idea. So I think the, not that I'm, again, I don't promote myself. I'm just trying to say I, I needed to have that visibility and, and the organization to say, I know what's going on immediately without having to ask somebody, you know, there it is on the board. You know why else that's important? Like if you're going down the line and you want to sell your business, right? Because you don't want to have a business that dies when you do, Right. You want to be able to, to, you've worked all these years, so you want to be able to sell something other than yourself, right? We had it a little easier because we had a franchise and a franchise named and all that. But, you know, if you're going to start your own business, it is a very good idea to have these uh, job descriptions, have methods in place, all of that, and have somebody that could run your business in your absence because that makes your business much more valuable. I mentioned several things that I feel like I did well. And those are the things that I did well that I mentioned and maybe other things, but I'll tell you what, hiring people and firing people, I was absolutely miserable at. And selling, I was miserable at. So those are other things that I do realize like I had two marketing people. I've had marketing people throughout that I should have fired every one of them and find somebody that was better, and I never did. Because they were good enough. You know what I mean? They weren't great, but they weren't horrible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So sometimes you just kind of, oh, why upset the apple pie? I'll, I'll disagree. They weren't even good enough. <laughs> they made you money. <laughs> that, that's the whole point. When, when volume went up, they took credit for it. And they were there the year when volume went down, and, oh, they had nothing to do with it. And I'm saying, how could you have it both ways? It's impossible. Right, right. So you want me to give you a raise when it goes up, but you don't want to reduce your salary when it goes down. You're integral in this whole mix. Yeah, it's, it is hard to fire it's people. It's hard. Very hard. Now, I, I do know some pros that they, they don't take any slack from anybody. And they just fire them immediately. Boom, you're gone. And I think that's an important thing to say you could do that because you get people that walk all over you if you don't do that. And again, we were very conservative financially. And when people did walk on us, it didn't really affect us as much as it would have if we were in, in debt, let me right, say. Right, right. 
you know, but I really think you have to have this tenacity to say, I don't give a damn. You're gone. I, you didn't do it right. You didn't do it. I told you. I gave you a couple of chances. You're gone. Right. And I, I didn't do that. I waited until they quit. We were more nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, so, I say it's not a way to run a business. And it's not, I also bring up the idea that Obama, our president, at one point wanted to be the nice guy. And you can't run a business being a nice guy. You got to run the business, and that's got to be you, number one. But you have to be respectful of them, but maybe yeah. not put up with as much uh, non-hardworking attitude as maybe we have put up in the past. We let stuff, yes, yeah, stuff yeah. like that slide. I think it's important yeah. as well. Yeah. So, Ellie, you hit on an important point there, I think, which is building a business to sell. Um, this is something I believe strongly in, and, and I don't think enough business owners see this big picture. You know, some of them look at just the tangible assets in the business. So it might be just the trucks and the computers and go, gosh, you know, mm -hmm. that's not worth all that much. Is it worth no. selling? And, and what I often see is business owners that just want to run their business into the dirt and walk away from the wreckage. So it sounds to me like you had a plan. So can you describe how that process went for you? Well, because we had a, uh, a national franchise, mm -hmm. the name itself is worth money, right? But then you also, when you're selling a business, you have to provide so many years of uh, P&Ls and all that. Um, we knew that eventually we were going to get out of it because our business was a 24-7. It was constantly you know, uh, holidays, weekends, and all that. So uh, just at a certain point, you know, we were doing well, and we didn't want to, we had a good staff, you know, and all of them stayed, actually. You know, the, the staff could have been better in production if we had really pushed it, but we had people in place that when we sold the business to the new owner, he had a secretary there, he had a salesperson there, he had production people in addition to the trucks and all that other stuff. And because Surpro was very uh, integral in, in what we were selling, we had to bring a lot of stuff up to speed. Yeah. I know, they have a procedure of what you have to do to sell the business. And you cannot just say, okay, you know, uh, you have to, you ha it's a very legal thing because it is a franchise. Well, let me say, we had, we had, we had a business broker when we sold. Right. And the business broker brought someone to the table that we really, really, really liked and came to the house and we, we showed them the business. We talked about it and all the paperwork went off to Surpro Corporate. And they denied his purchase of the business. And I felt he was going to do fabulously. Excellent. Well, the next one that came along was somebody that we knew personally through the kids and through all this stuff within the area. And when I met the guy, I said, I said, this is not for you. He had a PhD. Yeah, I said, this business isn't for you. You, you know, it's just not, I knew his background and everything and, and, and he goes, oh, yeah, it is, it is, it is. And he had enough money behind right. him that Serpo agreed. And guess what? In he two years, he was gone. Now, I do believe that the first couple that we thought very high excellent would have done fabulous. And, and because, because he was gone, we lost a lot of money. Because in, in our agreement, a lot of our sale price was involved in the relation to the business and him growing and us getting a kickback on the right. business. Right. Well, being he sold, all that went away. But let me tell okay, the, the difference with a franchise, 
you are really managing a business more than owning a business. And what Michael said is the fact that we couldn't sell our business to who we wanted to sell it to was, I think, a limitation of owning a franchise. The fact that, that the other hand, that you have a franchise that's nationally recognized brings you money because yeah. you have the name, the systems, the pro everything's in place. But I think it's very foolish to be a one-man show, let's say, if you are an air conditioning person. And you're killing yourself for 30 years, putting in heating and air. And then here you are, you're 70 years old. You have nothing to show for it except for a truck. You have no systems in place. You have no employees. Nobody is going to pay you for that. To, to, to sell a business, you have to have a con, you know, contracts, ongoing business. Like we had contracts with major insurance companies. Surpro did. So when we left, the new owners knew, okay, well, they're going to, you know, have a pretty good, if you work it right, you're going to have a pretty good chance of making it. Okay. So if you're going to start your own business, I think something that you would learn from franchises plan how you're going to sell it have an exit strategy that's what our directors always say always, make always, sure you yeah. have they used to always say have someone sitting on the bench okay like in a sports analogy your uh, basketball captain goes out you got somebody sitting on the bench it's going to take his place how yeah. have somebody on the bench well I'm, I'm glad you went back to the the franchise i did want to touch base on that so what uh what do you think is maybe the most beneficial aspect of the franchise? And would you suggest that method for other people? To follow their method or to be to buy a franchise? To buy a franchise, yeah. Um, franchises are more expensive when you're getting into it because you're buying a name, you're buying the – they've done all the work for you. You're you, buying the system, right? Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, the idea of a franchise is you're buying a system. So you follow that system and you work hard, chances are you're going to be successful, right? But it's going to be a lot more of an initial outlay. Right, right. When we lived in Florida before children, we did look into some franchises, but at the point, at that point in my life, they were too expensive. Like right. at McDonald's, yes. you need a million dollars in liquid assets back in 1979, 80 which was a lot of money back then. I don't know what they get right now, but believe it or not, Surpro, was to buy a franchise when we did was about twenty four, twenty five $25,000, and you bought a franchise. Now it's quadruple, at least, yeah. that much. And I'm sure, yeah, and I'm sure any of the big ones, like every time we drive by a, a Chick-fil-A, God, the line is around the block. And you know, you go, wow, what a franchise that right. would have been, right. you know? Yeah. So it sounds like you did a lot of research and, and I've done a little research in franchising as well. And, and that's one of our goals and models moving forward for our business as well. But um, do you, is there certain things that you found uh, more important versus others that, that you eventually landed on the Surf Pro franchise? Mm. Well, I, I yes, yeah, because, okay, I know why he wanted to do it. We looked into a transmission shop. Transmissions are us. Okay. We looked into pizza franchises, right? And Michael always said, you know what? I need to get something that if, if everything goes wrong, I'll be able to do this myself. So he said, there's no way I'm going to learn how to repair transmissions in a month, <laughs> right? 
But with the, with the fire and water restoration, back at that time, it was very easy. Very easy. It was something that required a lot of hard work. So, and we saw the success of the people that we bought it from. And so Michael pretty much said, well, heck, I can do this. You know, I can do this myself. After 30 days, we were right. with the original right. owners. And that's why we decided. And it was needed, right? It was something, if somebody has a flood and the insurance company says call Serpro, they're, gonna, they're not going to go in the yellow pages and look up, oh, yeah, maybe I'll call Justin's Rug Cleaner. You know what I mean? It was yeah. almost a, a fairly guaranteed that you weren't going to go broke. Yeah, gotcha. If you worked, yeah. yeah. Again, we've seen many of them go broke. We don't know why. Well, they didn't work. Or they overspent. Overspent. It could be. See, overspent. we overspent. We overspent not, never in anything frivolous like a boat or a great car. We spent it putting it into real estate. Right. With the money right. we made, we used to, put to, to, to do more income producing as opposed to, oh, yeah, I think I'll get a $20,000 diamond ring. See the difference? Uh huh. Everything, absolutely. The money we bought produced income. The money works for you, yeah. And so, right. do you think that you got to retire earlier due to that? Oh my God, for sure. Oh, yeah. my brother was with me the whole time. I was planning to retire at fifty-five. 55. <laughs> I had to stay till sixty-two. We had to work till sixty-two. Isn't yeah. that awesome? A few things happened, you know. Like we we had a, a fantastic contract with USAA, and that went away. And then um, we got hit with, remember, do you remember when deductibles were $250? Well, you don't. When I grew up in Serpro, they were $250 for anything. And then they went up to 500 1000 whatever. 1%. 1%. It was getting so harder to get work. Business was getting more and more Harder to get, right. You know? Yeah. And we figured, well, we'll be fine. Yeah. The kids were out of college. I mean, we really didn't have to worry about anything. And. We thought, well, we may as well enjoy ourselves, so that's what we did. We did a lot of international travel up until COVID, right? But is yeah. after yeah, after oh, we retired, yeah. it was yeah. like great. Yeah. I always said, you know what? Retirement is absolute freedom if you are prepared for it. You could do what you want, when you want, and how you want. And that's what we all strive for, I think, right? right? Really? Yeah. Some of us do it a little bit quicker than others. <laughs> well, you right. know, it, it just depends. We have friends that were in corporate life. They retired at 50 years old, and they're doing well, fantastic. Well, that was the know? good old day of pensions, okay? Yeah. That doesn't happen pensions, anymore. For sure. And then, but ultimately, I know that they're using their money that they made wisely and, and not oh, overspending, yeah. like you said, using it as a way to increase their income some way or another. So they're making valuable investments. Along yeah. Right. As well. Right. But again, I think I noticed with, with friends that we have, how some friends are a lot freer on spending things where I get, I get a little bristled. Like I, I couldn't do what they did. You know, I just feel uncomfortable <laughs> spending money like that. So I'm, not that we're cheap, but we just we spend it in chunks. We're, we we're don't cautious. do we don't do like oh maybe a, a two hundred dollar dress, but we'll do like a twenty thousand dollar renovation. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of how we. <laughs> yeah, we're well, like that. <laughs> I, I notice with the employees that typically maybe high school graduates or that less, we had that we had, 
And boy, they're looking forward to their income tax so they can get their money, their whatever it is, and go spend it. And we never did stuff like that. It's, again, it's just an attitude. You, it's an attitude in the way you approach money. You know, I think money is, is almost an That's important thing important. To, be, to be aware of. And I remember when we first got married in Florida, we didn't have furniture or anything. And um, I remember we went to some buy stores it. to go buy furniture for the bedroom and all that. And we used a credit card. And when the bill came, I never registered in my head how much we were spending. And it comes and I go, oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, you realize it later. And then that really branded us in the idea that when you use a credit card, keep a, a mental note as to what's going on, how much you're spending, because it gets away real, real fast. And I've seen lots and of people go, in, go down the tubes I because think, they don't keep track of it. It's that way in business, too. Really? You yeah, know, yeah. you have to be totally agree. conscientious of what you're doing, whether it's a small business that you're just starting or something that's a little bit more mature. You always have to be conscientious of what you're doing and what's going to what you, are you going to need in two weeks, in a month? Right. Look ahead. Yeah. What's yeah. ahead? Really? What's yeah. ahead? Yeah. Right. Right. Now, another thing, and again, here's where my talent drops off greatly, trying to sell to other people. Like I know Serpros that were around here and what my brother tells me, where he worked for the biggest Serpros in the whole country up in the Northeast. And he says they do things that you wouldn't even consider doing. And, and, and a lot of them, they, they take people out to deal leases or they, they, they wine and dine the clients a lot. And I just was never comfortable doing that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that is really a very influential way of developing your business. It seems like that's at a level much higher than where we were. Because I never took people out to lunch or very, very, very seldom. But it and could. wine and dine them. But I think that might be a way to go do that because I hear from other surpros that have done it and they've done, you know, box seats at the ball game and, 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 and yeah. airline tickets to places and stuff. And I think that's another way to grow your business, but you got to be Well, another thing, it's building relationships a lot of times. That could be on a large scale like ballpark tickets or it could be on a smaller personal scale. For someone to to give you work, you know, so it's it just depends on whole a whole lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it goes back to your own personality, what right. you're comfortable with, and you know, you're going to go as, as far as your personality or your or your <laughs> temperament maybe. is going to allow you to go. And I I would say to sum that up, you you can't spend your way to success. And to, to go back to what Ellie was saying before, too, of course, you know, if, if you have that PL that looks great at the end, at the time when you're selling, I should say those three years of PL, you know, you're going to have a better chance of, of selling. Oh, you have to really keep very good records from the very beginning. And I know that's hard for people in, in that when you're first starting a business, you don't even think of things like that. But you really should set yourself up immediately with a good bookkeeping system, QuickBooks or yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah, from the very beginning so that you could look at it and just say, hey, you know, I'm spending too much of a percentage on this, not enough of a percentage on that. So you need that yeah. guidance. Well, I think I think you've got you guys have said some amazing tidbits and I can't wait for our listeners to to hear what you've had to say because I think that so much is so valuable 
in that. And there's, and there's some real lessons to be learned in all of this. So definitely appreciate um, your long history of successful business and, uh, and your ideas you. along with it. Thank you. And good luck to all the entrepreneurs out there. Right. Well, thank you, Ellie and Michael. Really appreciate you sharing your story. And before we go, um, we've got a few questions, if you don't mind us diving into our brain pick, just so our listeners can learn a little bit more about what makes you tick if they heard something they align with and want to go in a similar direction. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So so, uh, so I'll start these off here. Um, you know, you don't have to go into too much detail. So uh, since you guys are both Sitting there, you can answer yourself. But first question is, what is your superpower, unique, natural ability? <laughs> Tenacity. Good. Oh. Michael? Yeah, I, I guess just the keep your nose down and, and just keep plugging along. That's it. And not worry about what's going on around you. Just have a goal and, and shoot for it. That's, Good. that's Good. what I like to do, yeah. If you if you were to go back uh, three to five years, and maybe maybe you guys could go back uh, seven to ten if you'd like, but what might you have done differently if you wish you could have? You mean business wise? Any any aspect, sure. Any any different path you might have taken? Ten years wow. ago, we were still at work. We're still at Serpro. Um, wow. Because I keep saying that the only thing I regret I didn't do was. Um, uh, join the reserves in the military and, and get their retirement plan and, <laughs> and all that. That was the only thing I regret. You really don't have any. I don't regrets. have any, really. Um, That's great. Really That's now great. I'm thinking maybe I should have tried to buy more property because, you know, again, if you're successful with it, then you say, well, I should have did more of it. But you just don't know. Yeah. That's probably well, I, I really, yeah, I can't, I can't really – it's great. great to hear that you loved your path. That's great. So yes. where where might you be headed in the next three to five years? Oh, hopefully if we stay healthy, we want to resume our international travel. That's something that Michael and I always enjoy. Mm -hmm. We try to do two, two or three trips a year. Um, that's yeah. about it. So I, enjoy retirement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we have, really? yeah, that's about it. I mean, we just basically to stay healthy and uh, enjoy the fruits of our labor. All right. And what might be a favorite book of yours on business or money? Business. Oh, wow. Justin, yeah. I wrote you that book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, but but I know sir, for 25 years, we went to convention with Surfro. They had motivational speakers. We purchased the tapes occasionally when we really liked the guy. But, you know, I really never listened to them that much, and I never read the books that much. I just didn't We have a gut in inborn knowledge of what we need to do, okay? We don't really um, say, oh, my gosh, you know, what, what book would be famous? I read I, – I thought it was excellent. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. I thought that was a good book, but it kind of mimicked what we were trying to do anyway. anyhow, but maybe to a higher degree. Sure. Like said, okay. we're, very, we're very conservative in those types of things, and you know, you got to push in order to gain more. I, okay. I think this is an old-timey thing that in Surpro that made a lot of influence on us was a book or a speech, you, you are what you think. I think it was Norman Vincent Peale. Like when you, you give yourself self-images or self-taught, 
If you think you're going to be successful, you will be successful. If you think you're never going to accomplish anything. And so that self-talk, I think it was Vincent Norman Peale, right? Somebody like that. We thought that was pretty good. Good. Okay. And last question for you guys. What has been your greatest aha moment? (laughs) We never have aha moments. (laughs) (laughs) We were in a church group once and they brought that up. We looked at each other and said, you know. (laughs) We're too boring for aha moments. We're very boring. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we did have one negative, one really, really sour. When we, um, like I told you, when USAA, when we got out of their program, we got dropped from it, and you know things were really bad. I remember going to the accountant because we just bought the house we were in. Everything happened at bad, once, and we were really his brother about, left. Your brother left. My that brother year. left, and you call aha. It was the opposite of aha. It was it a boohoo moment. It was a boohoo, and we we didn't know what to do, but we just got up and we just said every day we'll continue going to work. Right. And maybe that's what it is, just just the, 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 the drive to keep going and going and every day getting in work early, leaving a little after everybody leaves, and just trying to press along and push along. And put, on, put on a good face. Yeah. Pray. Pray a lot. Say, God, please help me. <laughs> I'm trying to do the best I can. Right? So and that, that's it. You yeah. just carry on. Uh, yeah, I like right. a lot of very high ups and very low downs. We, yeah. We're kind of... A we're very, like the tortoise, you know, yeah, a little very, at a time, a little at a time. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, you guys are great. Well, thanks. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we I, really appreciate I, it. I wonder a lot of times, a lot of people, you know, they say, oh, well, you're rich or this or that. We're not rich, but we're comfortable. And I, and I think in my head, I said, they wouldn't do the things that, that we did. Between funnel cakes and rebuilding the, the rental property, yeah, I did a lot of labor stuff, and I don't know if that has something to do with it, but a lot of physical me there doing the repair or doing the creation or doing the building or doing or the, me being nine months pregnant, yeah. whipping that batter around so we can make funnel cakes. <laughs> People don't see that, and they say, like, if they see us now, oh. You know how to use a hammer? Yeah. Like we've done so much, (laughs) so much slave labor work unpaid that it paid off. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Hear about you, Justin. You did the same thing, it sounds like. Remember the first house you had? Yeah. You had the flood and you did all that cleaning yourself. I I know. And you guys were very helpful and and some knowledge there as well. Yes. That's all it takes. That may be another part of it too. Unless you're really, really smart up top that you're going to have to push the labor in order to, because you buy, if you buy labor, it's very expensive. Right. And you don't go anywhere when you do that. So I try and do as much as I could on my own. And um, and it got us to this point. I I, I have to attribute a lot to that. So you you mimicked a lot of what we've done from what I've heard, and uh, you know, and you should end up the same place or much 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 better. You're a little creative when you're younger. <laughs> I think I can speak for Justin on that too to say that he's he's got about the same tenacity you both do, and it sounds like I you guys so. persevered through quite a bit over the years. Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah, he's done well, a tremendous Good luck amount. to you guys. I hope this goes well. Yeah, thank you, and and I can tell you guys could keep going for much longer, and so, but we'll stop so. there. And, yeah. <laughs> All right, All right. thank Michael, you. Ellie, thank you for visiting with fun. us. Adam, nice meeting you. Nice you, meeting you, Adam. You as well. Thank you both. All right. Yeah, thanks, guys, and and we can't wait to 
put this out to the to our guests and uh, sure you edited, you guys edit a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take All right. care. Good luck. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Wealth Watchers Podcast. Thanks for listening. From Adam Lendy and Justin Hoggett, have a great day. All right. Have a good one, guys. Until next time. This has been the Wealth Watchers Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about Wealth Watchers and our parent company, Happy Camper Capital, please visit happycampercapital.com.